I do. And I don't. I'm beginning to love Mondays. Yeah, I guess I am too. Is it, is it just me? <laughs> I guess maybe it is. Um, Monday is the day that we post I Do and I Don't podcast show for everyone to get their fill of almost professional marriage advice from one Cat Skinner who has these accolades. I'm... I... Oh, you oh, were going to say it. <laughs> sorry, I, I was, was just going to say it with you. No, do it. You do it. No, you do it and I'll say it with you. <laughs> I'm a secular minister. minister. I perform, I perform marriage, marriage ceremonies. ceremonies. And I officiate weddings. You should. I, yeah, I, I officiate weddings. weddings. I, also I also am a, a relationship guru. Relationship guru. Okay, I'm yeah, a relationship guru um, and a sex educator. Sex educator and uh, <laughs> and a mom. So a lot of experience there. Been I, in some relationships and married and mm-hmm. such. And over here, I. Have no, no experience, experience whatsoever. whatsoever. Yeah. So we're here to answer <laughs> your uh, marriage advice questions that you've sent to I do and I don't show at gmail.com uh, or on our Facebook and or Instagram, which are both I do and I don't show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so welcome here. And should we just jump right into these questions? Yeah. Why don't we? We got a little long in the tooth last time, so we'll be concise this time. Mm-hmm. Okay, question number one. Hi, Kat and Joel. My wife of four years and I have a pretty excellent sex life. It's something we're committed to always working on and something we try to have fun with. Lucky. Mm. Recently, she's expressed interest in squirting. Mm? We've made some enthusiastic attempts but haven't quite nailed it. Is this something you can help with? Well, uh... I can speak intelligently about my vagina again. I've done that before. <laughs> I love when you talk about your vagina, Joel. It's the best. Um, well, we all know that squirting is like leprechauns. You know, <laughs> it doesn't really exist. It's one of those fun stories. That's not true. People can dress up as leprechauns. You'll see them in porn, you know, leprechaun porn. <laughs> leprechaun porn. Classic leprechaun porn. Oh, God. Uh, where... Uh, the leprechaun is there and he's going, ooh, I love me lucky charms. And then he makes a girl squirt, projectile squirt across the room and you go, that's not real. That's a fake thing. Someone's put water in a vagina and then they've like shot it out of their vagina. Joel, mm-hmm. it's real. Squirt, what? It's Squir- real. Squirting is real. So It's real, but it's like a hotly contested subject hot well first of all it is hot you can we agree that squirting is hot because there are a lot of divided ideas about yeah because some people i've heard um are insecure about squirting uh because they think it might be just peeing Mm -hmm. they think there's a lot of urine involved Mm -hmm. so they're just like i don't know if i want to do that that sounds gross but um i think that it's an exciting thing Mm-hmm. I think it's an exciting thing too. And just to dispel some fears, let's talk a little bit about science, shall we? Nah. I did a well, come on, I did some research. I'm excited <laughs> okay. to share it with the okay. people. <clears throat> it's just a little quick research. There's lots of information out there. <clears throat> if you're interested, I don't know what's happening with my voice. Please forgive me. Um, sadly, 
the subject of female ejaculation wasn't really researched in earnest by the scientific community until the 1980s. Mm. Doesn't that seem crazy to you? Well, it doesn't seem that crazy because the 80s were a crazy time, <laughs> you know? Like, they were finally like, look at all the colors we're using, look at all this. <laughs> and that was, a, that was an era where I think that there was still a lot of bush to sop up the wetness. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't, nowadays, it's just like, Actually, I, would they even notice that squirting was happening in those times? Well, like in the seventies, it probably was happening all the all the time. No one noticed it. Okay, but when it does happen, there's usually like substantial evidence that it has occurred. And interestingly, in my research, I discovered that it was referenced in like ancient texts about sexuality, like the Kama Sutra, and even some of the Greek philosophers referred to it in talking about the sexual response from a That's female. That's weird because I thought mostly those Greek philosophers were. Gay. Well, like I, they were all, I don't think that people really had those just, labels. I think they just kind of put it where it felt good back in those days. <laughs> put it put it where, where it feels felt good. good. Yep. That's as long the, as everyone is consenting. Yeah. And back then probably that wasn't even really a thing that they worried too much they about. Were, yeah. But <clears throat> anyway, don't get me off track here. Hike up your robe and put it where it feels good. <laughs> put it where it feels good. Okay, so female ejaculation is a thing. Science has shown us that there is a female equivalent of the prostate gland. Mm. Um, and in the female anatomy, it's referred to as the skein's gland. And research has also shown that the skein's gland can vary in size. And it's also subject to the same kind of diseases that affect the prostate gland. So it's really Ooh. been a disservice to humankind and womankind that this hasn't been researched more extensively because a lot of bladder and urine, uh, urinary tract and prostate cancers in women have been misdiagnosed because of our lack of understanding about how female sexual anatomy actually works. I mean, do we need to believe in the myth of ejac- of uh, squirting and female ejaculation to believe in the skein's gland? But it's not a myth. No, I know. I'm joking about that. But can they not just go, yes, that is a gland. We're not so sure about the squirting thing, but we know there is a gland there. Or so, do they have to like ignore it all, just like the climate change denial? Well, like this is it. The like, flat earthers. Unfortunately, science is just as subject sometimes to bad research and societal opinion and skewed views about sexuality. Like mm. At the end of the day, who's the leaders in the scientific community still? Old white men. So bastards. I will rage against this forever, but let's just stick to the facts here. So the fact is there is a gland in the female anatomy that's similar to the prostate. It can, with stimulation, produce uh, a release of fluid. So in studying this fluid, there seems to be two different types of releases that are possible. So there's one that's sort of like a milky whitish fluid um, that is less abundant in quantity. And then the other is quite a dramatic release of a more clear fluid that comes from the urethral area and is similar to urine but is not urine see and and i've was saying because you told me that a second ago uh that sounds like peeing it that does sound like, like peeing, peeing but the it's first not one peeing. doesn't sound like peeing the second one sounds a lot like peeing it it is not peeing nor does it feel like peeing oh Hmm, interesting. Feel like. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so do you know if there are, and I don't know if you read this, but are there two different ways to get those two different types of squirting or is it the same sort of way to make that happen? Because this, our questioner wants to know how 
do I squirt? How is that sort of the idea? Like, yeah, because we've tried, Mm -hmm. but it hasn't worked yet. So how do we get this to happen? So as far as we know, the skein's gland can be stimulated by accessing the G-spot. Accessing (laughs) 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 G-spot. And (laughs) wow, the sound effects are disturbing and strangely accurate. Um, It's just... It's like, what 10-year-old is on this pod? Who are you hosting this podcast with? <laughs> Accessing Skeen's gland. Why do boys make better sound effects than girls? Why is that a thing? It's that, why do boys make sound effects and girls don't? That's really the, because girls don't do that. It's a masculine thing. It is, totally. What is um, that? Is that like an evolutionary thing? I don't know why it is, but do guys you to love, emulate the sounds of the beasts that you hunted so that you knew which ones to go after? Maybe it's part of the imagination. Maybe it's part of a imagination, but also mixed with guys not being as linguistically verbal. Mm, so there's a lot of grunting. A lot of grunting, a lot of, you know, and when you're out there, it's like, I'm shooting you with my gun. You know, like a girl would be, I'm shooting you dead with my gun. A guy would be like, <laughs> you know, it's really masculine. The most more masculine you get, the more sounds you Sound make. Sound effects you produce. Like, doosh, doosh. That, that's always been one of the male mysteries for me is this understanding of sound effect. Anyway, let's talk about how to make someone squirt. How to make someone. So like as a dude, <laughs> thank you for that sound effect as well. This is just going to carry on. I hope you're all prepared. This is going to be a sound effect enhanced tutorial about how to produce a Sorry, squirt. How as a dude? As a dude, mm-hmm. have you any experience with making someone squirt? I or do you know of any dudes <laughs> who have I don't want to I don't want to uh, speak too personally of my adventures. I don't uh, need her name. Hmm? I don't need her name. <laughs> but from what I understand, um, it seems to me that squirting probably is definitely possible for anyone that would like to uh, squirt. And uh, yeah, you can make that happen from what I've heard um, with uh, some careful uh, stimulation. But uh, what I, I think is very important to know and to note is that somebody needs to be really turned on and really into what's happening okay. or it is not going to, to happen. happen. Yeah, I think that makes sense because there's so much stigma around this, so rightfully so, since it's been so mysterious for such a long time. And like, there's a lot of weird body shaming that comes into the bedroom sometimes too where we're worried about our fluid production in a mm. sexual context. Oh, so. yeah, but it's hot. If, if, you, <laughs> if, if someone's going to squirt, and by the way, um, it's from what I've heard, great for everyone. Great for it everyone. Feels great, mm-hmm. and it's you know. I have it's also really sexy. I have also heard that it feels great. <laughs> yeah, are you going to speak intelligent or personally? Uh, I'm going to speak about intelligently your... about my vagina. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. But this I, is interesting because, well, you know, um, I feel mm-hmm. like s- since you have a vagina, you're the one that wants to take away the stigma. Uh, you know what? I have no issue whatsoever talking intelligently about my vagina. But like on personal level, squirting has occurred for you. Yeah, it has. And this is something I arrived kind of late to. Like I think it mm-hmm. accidentally happened a couple of times mm-hmm. in my history. Because when I when I see what the results are of like an active, invested opportunity to try this, I know that's definitely happened in the past, but right. inadvertently. So 
Uh, in terms of like a calculated attempt at exploring this, this has you know, only been the last couple of years of my life, I think. So um, I'll, I'll ask you this because you're the one that would have experience. Like squirting the way I think when we even hear the word squirt, and I know the answer to this as well, but um, when we hear the word squirt, we're imagining that idea of like projectile, like yeah, like the male the ejaculate, yeah, experience. sort of that thing, or or what maybe people have seen um, in the world of the internet, just like <laughs> someone screaming with uh, liquid projectile shooting out, out of their other yeah. regions. Um, but well, is that what we are experiencing in the common everyday squirting? Well, I think like vaginas, there is no squirting that is the same universally. Mm. So I I know girls who can definitely projectile ejaculate, uh, but I have not experienced that. So it's more of a gush, you would say. Yeah. Like it just like Yeah, and sometimes it's a substantial gush and sometimes mm. it's not so substantial. And you know what else comes into a factor here? And I, I did read this, so I have like evidence to support it. Your level of hydration is important. Mm, of course, that makes sense. Yeah. So you have to really take your time with this one and like work your way up to it. Make sure you're like in a super advanced state of arousal. Yeah. And for women, it can take like a solid 40 minutes sometimes before you can what? achieve that place. Yeah, it, it's like some real work. Some days, some days, mm. no. Um, also it depends on who you're with. Like I am incredibly attractive <laughs> and uh, have so much charisma that like, I'm not saying it, it I'm not <laughs> speaking again too specifically, but if it were the case for me, I would imagine that five minutes mm-hmm. and the person would be ready to squirt like I crazy. I don't know that the uh, attractive you, level uh, of your uh, mate always uh, comes into play. Yeah, for me it does. I'm okay. just that attractive. Right. It, um, <laughs> so if you're dating Joel, you'll get there a lot faster than the rest of us. Yeah. Um, so lucky you. Uh, <laughs> and that also, like, there's no set time limit either. But how do you know when your partner's super aroused? Well, you will feel like a state of engorgement in her genital area. Things will get puffier and pinker and, like... Engorgement, the sexiest word <laughs> There are some definitely unsexy words to refer to sexual response, but yeah, engorged is a good one. Like that's where you want to see that all the blood is arriving at that place and there's like a really steady and consistent experience of lubrication happening. I want to say that I have a theory and I don't have any evidence for this, but I would love to know about it. I have a theory that the projectile squirt is just a certain flexing of a muscle hmm. that happens probably from uh, some sort of pleasure and, and, and orgasm maybe. If if your friends are squirting, and you should ask them about this, if they're squirting along with an orgasm, because squirting doesn't always happen with an orgasm. That's that another be thing. Should, it can happen before, say. after, yeah. you know, or during. But I feel like if it happens during and there's that... Um, what would you call what I'm... The Kegel muscle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that a flex yep. or a... Or a it's a flex. It like it. you know when you're taking a piss and you stop the stream of urine. <laughs> Will you stop the stream? Let's of get urine? even sexier. You know when you're taking a piss. Um, We're not here to arouse people. We're here to give them information. But it's Joel. that it's that uh, clenching. Yeah, it's that like you're tightening the muscles. Yeah, to stop. if that's happening while the liquid is 
coming out of you, mm-hmm. I would imagine that that can create create a some trajectory. Mm-hmm. I don't know, ladies, I, can you humor us, please, with your partners and try this, try this. on behalf I've, of I do and I don't. <laughs> I've never been to Thailand, but if somebody can shoot a ping pong ball out of their vagina, and you've worked in burlesque, I'm sure you've seen it all. Definitely not seen that, but <laughs> but if that's a thing, or it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure my guess is when the squirting thing is is half the squirting thing when there is that ejaculate and something's happening, there's a lot of liquid in there. If there's a certain type of flex, I bet you anyone can have that type of squirting. Interesting. Well, that's a theory, and I don't know any. I don't know. Here in Canada, the winter months are long and cold, <laughs> so I think this sounds like a great research project for our listeners to take on. But another thing to add to what you were saying about the engorgement and uh, the arousal, specifically to squirting, mm-hmm. from what I understand, there's an area in the vagina just beyond what is described usually as sort of a different texture or a rough Mm -hmm. area just inside the vagina, which I think is what we're talking about as the G spot. Yeah, so it's it's the space where if you put your two fingers inside... Someone will instantly orgasm. (laughs) I wish it were that easy. No, you have to curl them. This is so hard to describe without a visual. You have to insert two fingers... And just go up. And then go up and do like a come hither motion. Yeah. And that's stimulating the G spot. Yeah. But you're pressing towards the front of her body. Yeah. Not towards the back. It's almost like if you were going to look like imagine at the vagina from the front, it's like right below the clit almost. Yeah. You're trying to get the it's clit right from the back, which is actually what's happening there. Yeah. Because it's all clit. People don't know this. It's yes. all clit. It's all clit. But just beyond that area, so you know that that part of the different sort of textured skin. Don't look at my fingers. <laughs> From what I understand, just beyond that area, there is a space which uh, can fill with liquid, and you'll be able to feel that. And the way I've described it before is almost like a tent canopy filled with rainwater or something like that if you imagine and prior to that level of arousal that area sometimes can be uh concave really Mm -hmm. you know but when it's filled with liquid and you're very aroused you'll feel that that is convex you know but there's a little it's a bit of a different texture because it's filled with a liquid Hmm. and all i have to do is finger fuck the shit out of that (laughs) That's the scientific term. <laughs> I'm really sorry if this you're is the listening romantic. to this at work. Light some candles, <laughs> put on some really sweet music, you know, and then finger fuck the shit out of that canopy. Finger bang that convex. You just finger it till someone's crying. No, no. Um, there's a certain um, stimulation and, you know, there's different, different levels of stimulation that apparently works, but... Um, what I've heard, <laughs> surefire, is to position your body a little bit down. Like I would say sort of around the the woman's breasts. So you kind of are reaching down. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and your fingers are kind of pointing downwards, the ones that are outside of the vagina and the, your little guys are in there. I usually, I mean, uh, I've heard... <laughs> People use the two middle fingers. And then... So not the index finger. I would... The middle finger and the ring finger then? Yeah, the two middle guys. Okay, that makes sense. My strong, long fingers. And then you'll stimulate by 
what would it, kind of you're kind of doing the uh, come hither motion that you'll use you would use on the G spot in a way, but you're also kind of putting your arm up and down. So there's quite a bit of stimulation. There's like a rocking there. happening then. Yeah, too, right? there's a lot, and it, and there's quite a bit of pressure, but it doesn't need to be crazy. No, but okay. it but fast and and uh, and fast but not furious, somewhat intense. Yeah, and you should that will probably result in a gushing, squirting um, eja- uh, of the female ejaculation. And if you're worried about mess, don't do it on your couch. Yeah, put some towels Don't down. do this on your couch. You find some towels. They make really great waterproof mattress toppers now yep. that no longer produce sounds like you're in a diaper. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Um, yeah. But that's, that's probably going to result in squirting. But again... You might not feel that that is there, or you maybe don't feel a, a very full canopy. You feel a canopy that's less full, that's closer to the G-spot area. That's just somebody who maybe isn't super, super turned on at that moment. Still turned on, but not to that extent. Mm. Um, or maybe they didn't drink enough water. I don't know. But um, if there's less of a canopy area, you still sometimes get a little bit of liquid or a little some squelching. Nice, a nice sex, sexy squelch that can happen. And what would too. that sound like, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> it's more like a. That's the sound you're looking for. Yeah, and you. You're right. Okay, there's still a little extra moisture in there, but it's not the full uh, squirt gush. That I think. I think I just figured out why men produce sound effects. Because they're so hot. No, it's because they're going to educate each other about the ways, the mysterious ways of the so female body. So this is body. how the gun should sound. <laughs> But that was super useful. Someone's going to hear that sound, and then they're going to be able to like drive it home. Yeah, I think that those that you're like, oh, that person is still that's still extra moisture that is being produced inside the vagina during doing that. But it's just it's not coming out because it's not that much. Like there's not that much. There hasn't been enough of a buildup yeah. in the skein's gland. So I wouldn't even bother if you if you're not feeling that full. Mm-hmm. Can't be in there. I wouldn't even bother yeah. doing attempting it. So set aside some time. And here's the thing. This is a funny thing about orgasms, and I'm sure like ejaculation probably works the same way. If you get too much in your head about it, that can be counterproductive. So just like approach it, both of you, with a sense of play and exploration. Don't put pressure on yourselves that you have to produce results. Just like enjoy the journey. Yeah, and and be like, um, you know, the goal isn't to go let's what do we have to do to make this happen just try to turn each other on mm-hmm. and like you say the sense of play but and enjoy yourselves and you'll notice oh this person has a canopy in their vagina <laughs> <laughs> and then just finger fuck the shit out of it it's really straightforward yep perfect you heard it here before first folks and please let us know how that works out for you I'm yeah send curious. feedback if any of you Experience ejaculation thanks to this podcast. Please let us know. Mm-hmm. We'd really love to hear from you. Definitely. We don't need photos or video. We just... We don't need. <laughs> we just want to hear about whether or not we've given you useful advice. Yeah, but that should genuinely work. All right. From what I've heard. From what you've heard. <laughs> okay, next question. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I feel like I need a minute just to like shift out of ejaculation into this next one because it starts with, I can't handle my father-in-law. 
He's loud, domineering, and opinionated. We couldn't be more opposite, and I think he has some really messed up views about women. My husband's very close with his family, and we see this man nearly every, other, every weekend for dinner. Oy. How do I deal with this person without creating a rift? Ooh, I hate it. What a horrible <laughs> conundrum. Yeah. That's a tough one. So he's, that, his son is very close with his family. That's, yeah. a, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it actually can be. I don't mean to sound anti-family because I am a very family-oriented person. But I think we've talked about this before in previous podcasts mm-hmm. where you don't recognize that your new spouse is your family. Right. Uh, and they somehow take a backseat to your family of origin. That I feel like that is wrong. And we were, yeah, that was the Christmas one. And we were saying that, you know, uh, because the one guy didn't want to bring his family around. That was the context of that mm-hmm. idea. But it's also, it's, I don't know if, do, if, if it does anyone any favors to, for us to pit the two families against each no, other. No, definitely it doesn't. It's like you, the the one you, the especially if he's into like, okay, argue arguably being connected to your uh, or the original family, the original nuclear family, nuclear family that you grew up with, and like having family dinners every weekend is arguably a good thing would you say i think if everyone is in a harmonious state and everyone feels good in that space it can be really lovely yeah that sounds like theoretically a good thing like when i see when i watch modern family or these types of shows i'm like these this family hangs out with each other a lot yeah they're going to the mall with each other they're like like two of them uh the other episode brother and sister in a garage going through things in their in their dad's place. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't imagine that ever happening in my family. Like, why are you spending so much time together? This is crazy, <laughs> you know? And and sometimes, yeah, they don't like each other that much. There's a little bit of drama. That's for the show. But um, I guess that probably reflects real life. But so mm-hmm. in this case, it, I don't want to say, like, does she say, I don't want to hang out with your family. Do I have to go to this thing? I mean, you can go. I don't have to go. Yeah, well, that's an option. Mm-hmm. That's gonna bum out the the. It's gonna bum out everyone likes. except for her, probably. Yeah. Because whether or not she can get along with this man, if she's welcome in their home every weekend for dinner, or they're welcome at their home, he's he's considering her family, whether or not he's obnoxious. Right. Um, but I feel at the same time, like if you are being really triggered by people who are not your family of origin, you should have some kind of a safety mechanism there for yourself. You shouldn't have to be subjected to that. I don't, I don't, I don't like the term triggered in this thing. Hmm. I feel like it's, it's too like slapdash. She's not like, I, she's not triggered. She's annoyed. Like triggered, unless there's something I missed in the question, but triggered, it feels like he keeps on mentioning, you know, sexual assault and it's triggering my sexual, like, it sends me to this horrible place. I feel like well, triggering, we need to save that for like, like you go down like into depths of 
But that's not how triggering works. What, what's like is triggering like you're like, oh, I'm annoyed by this. I'm triggered. Like how often can we? How? No, that I agree that <clears throat> that's not an accurate use of the term triggered. But triggering is whenever something in your day to day is touching your trauma place. Your unhealed trauma. So if, but for example, what's the trauma here? Well, she hasn't explicitly said. So I am okay, being a little presumptuous. Jumping. But let's just say she grew up with a father who's very loud and domineering, and right. who she does not have a good relationship mm-hmm. with. Or maybe it wasn't her father. Maybe it was some other significant family member. Maybe her mom was right. loud and domineering, and now she has this new parent figure in her life who is also loud and domineering, and she's reacting in a certain way towards him because that was a bad experience for her childhood. Uh, that is an effective trigger right there. That's- I can I can respect that, um, and if that's the case, that's a feels like it's a different bit of a different direction. It's a different question, mm-hmm. but I would be I would just say to be careful, not just not you, but, but in general, in general humans, humans, because, especially if you're the person that's asking the question. Yeah. Because I feel like... Like, is he touching I, on some place in your childhood or is he just an annoying yeah, personality? Because I don't want to be, uh, you know, a, a right winger that's going to say everyone's a snowflake and so sensitive <laughs> these days and I blah, blah, blah. I am a profoundly happy and proud snowflake. <laughs> profoundly. Profoundly happy with my snowflakishness. But but I uh, there is a, a danger to be oversensitive and also victimize yourself yeah. even if, if oh, but you're just annoyed yeah like when I hear my teenage daughter's friends talking about how they were triggered by not being able to pick up the lip gloss shade that they wanted at the mall yeah that makes me bananas. this is what we need to stop we, we need to avoid this <laughs> yeah let, let's not so, let's not bandy that term about yeah as so you said. We, we can say that if she's triggered mm-hmm. like if this is a legitimate or as you like to say legit triggering <laughs> legit triggering a legit instance of another triggering. throwback uh, or callback, I should say. But if this is a, if she is actually triggered because of somebody in her past, then that's something that she has to. Uh, I w- I would say if that's the truth to this question, then you can have a conversation with your spouse and say, "Look, you know, my father-in-law used to be boorish like this and was abusive to us, mm-hmm. and he used this kind of domination as a an abusive tactic." Blah 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 blah. And I'm sort of like, you know, reminded of those things and triggered, et cetera, having to put up with your dad and that nothing against him. I know he's a good person deep down and whatnot, but it's that behavior that does that to me. That's a fine conversation to have because it's not, you're not really calling out someone just because they annoy you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going, this kind of it's on me yeah. and my history, but I need to kind of... I need of, a way to manage this. Yeah, and I maybe can't be there for as long or I don't want to be there at all or as many times or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, but if she's just bothered by a guy's behavior, which he sounds annoying, like I'm on the same page Domineering, opinionated, messed up views about women. Yeah. I mean, okay, speaking as a woman... I would suggest that this guy is affecting her because she's had experience with someone like this in her past. I think that a good first step, whether or not it was a trauma experience, is for her to really identify why his behavior affects her the way it does. Well, I would even say that this type of behavior, especially these messed up views, whatever they may be about women, she doesn't need to have had any 
previous experiences, if if this is the case, like it would be annoying, like not even annoying, like it's just like why, why do I have to listen to this nonsense? Yeah. And so, what is the um, and I, I don't know the personality of the writer of this, but what is the dynamic in the family? Uh, I would assume nobody can challenge this man. No doubt. But why can't anyone challenge this man? Well, that's a really good question as well. So I, I'm okay with, uh, all right, we don't appreciate his sense of humor or we don't appreciate his personality. He's a little louder. This is his home. This is what he wants to do. Let him be who he is. But if he's saying things that are not on, mm-hmm. you know, like all sorts of ridiculous uh patriarchal we've <laughs> there's that word again <laughs> there's that word again <laughs> patriarchal if he's saying things that are not even just patriarchal but messed up whatever they may be because not <laughs> whatever all messed up means to you not all uh opinions about how people should interact in uh society are necessarily messed up mm-hmm. but if these are messed up who why can't why can't someone call him out? Yeah. And why and, can't her husband call well, him out? Well, that was going to be the question. <laughs> yeah. Can he? Well, and also, does he agree or disagree? Because you you're, you can, like, are you on the same page with what's messed mm-hmm. up and what's not messed up? Or yep. is dad's behavior fine? And you're actually marrying another version of this man. Yeah, nightmare. You know? So these are a lot of questions that she has to, but, I mean, she's, look, we're in an age where a woman should be able to speak up a, like with her own opinions. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't necessarily need her husband to go to bat for her. And I know that you're going to say this is a relationship that they're going to have for the rest of their lives, so try not to damage that relationship. Well, it is their parent, though. Mm-hmm. So there is an expiry date there. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's not like she doesn't want to be uninvited. Like It would be the yeah. best thing for her to have them go, we don't really want... Candace there anymore. <laughs> She's like, sweet spa day once a week for Goodbye. me. Bye. Candace is getting her nails done. Yeah. yeah. But like, if you are hearing something that you're like, what? You don't have to even be disrespectful or obnoxious about it. You don't have to meet his energy of, uh, of obnoxiousness. Mm. But you can go, I, I don't think that's true. Yeah. What? Well, I, I think that uh, women actually can get jobs and, you know what I mean? Yep. And raise families because sometimes men maybe could pick up the slack or whatever. I don't know what the conversation is. But, um, yeah, stick up for yourself. Yeah, so she if she's comfortable speaking up, that's an option. Even if you're not. Just be, look, I don't, think <laughs> that, I don't think that Rosa Parks was comfortable sitting in the front of the bus. <laughs> You're, That's true. You're in your own little world. Change of, does not happen in yeah, a comfortable state. You don't state. have to be comfortable. No. Stick up for yourself. Stick up for yourself. Stick up for womankind. Yeah. If your husband can't get on side with you about that, then fucking take a spa day on those Sundays. Well, Candace. I would say, yeah, I would you can talk to your husband and go, look, do you think that was like what he was saying made sense? Ah, that's just dad. Well, I'm going to say something next week. Yeah. And then oh, watch Well, I don't know if you should yeah. say something. Well, the I'm going to have to say something or... I can't go anymore because it's one or the other. Is well, it one or the other? There's no in between. I can go, but I'm not going to stay for the football game. Oh, man, if you have to watch football. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize there were sports happening. Get out of there. Don't you feel like there'd be sports in this man's uh, house? Probably on while they're eating. Um, on TV trays. Yeah. I wouldn't. 
mock TV trays, cat. <laughs> sports sports fans. Uh, sports suck, but TV trays are amazing. <laughs> what would they ever do to you? Yeah, they're great. Except allow you to watch the Flintstones every time you came home for lunch as a child. Think about it. Hmm. Um, but anyway, stick. I would. My thing is stick up for yourself. You know, and then you know what he might he might think about it and he might mellow or. Maybe he'll make jokes and go, oh, we can't talk about that. Candace is here. And oh, then you go, that's the worst, no, go it? ahead. Talk about it. You know, like, I don't know. It depends how combative you want to be. But <laughs> it's either don't show up, be combative, or shut up and sit there and eat your free meal and then go home. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh, I There's a lot of options. That is, that is, that's a real simplification, but it's true. Yeah. But if, as Kat was saying, if there is legitimate triggering happening then you can talk to your husband and say i can't legit trigger this i don't want to hurt you mm-hmm. i don't want to come down on your family but this is nonsense i can't put up with it but i feel like if it's just annoyance deal with it yeah yeah i'm on board with you here joel <laughs> all right question number three are we on to th- oh yeah because the first <laughs> one was about squirting how did i forget that felt like a whole episode of its own right let's there. do it okay dear almost experts <laughs> Are they mocking us? They might be. My wife thinks I need therapy. She's been through therapy on and off over the last 10 years and believes that everyone should be getting help. I don't really think I have any issues that are beyond the norm, but she's convinced I have an anxiety issue. How do I tell her that she's not qualified to diagnose me? <laughs> everyone gets stressed out about work and life. That doesn't mean they need to run out and get a prescription. I'm qualified to diagnose me. She's not. Yes. That was perfect, Joel. I can tell what I need. Yep. Because you're right inside there. You're inside that head. That's not confusing at all. Oh, man. This question made me feel a lot of things. Like what, Kat? Well, I wasn't triggered. I felt anxious. I felt... (laughs) Basically, you needed therapy from the question. Okay, like, let's just first take a moment and consider, for the average... Uh, aware, sensitive person, Mm -hmm. imagine what it would take for them to look at someone and say, I think that you should consider therapy. Let's just consider that for a moment. Yeah, it depends on the person, I guess. But yeah, but like but just think of average, all the humans you know. Average, yeah. Who and but this is again, this is a spouse. A spouse, yeah. So it it's I think well, is it easier to say that as a spouse? Eh, it depends. Well, especially since this guy is someone, now I'm really thinking about this. If this is somebody who, this is his reaction to that, she would be aware of that. Mm-hmm. So for her to put herself out there to say uh-huh. this to you. Yes. Um, yeah. That's a that risk. That would take a big, a big leap and a lot of like, I really need, I care about this guy enough mm-hmm. and I want these things to, and this is, this doesn't even sound like it's that relational like relationship based. It's not even she's going go to therapy for the relationship. Because we're fighting. Yeah, like, go to the re- therapy because you, you have are anxiety. St- yeah, and it, he mentioned work and other things. So yeah. it's just in his own life. Yeah. So she's not even like she just cares about you. Mm-hmm. And she's also been through the process. It says on and off for ten years. Okay. So she has like a keen inside perspective on how beneficial it can be because mm-hmm. presumably it works for her, or else she would not recommend it to somebody else. Right. So there's those two things. Yeah, there's a lot here to say that 
Maybe she is qualified. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing is that if you know anything about the therapeutic process, you know that they don't just hand out a prescription just because you came through the door. That was the last part that was just like, well... You don't have to take pills, man. No. You're going to talk to somebody. No, and you know what? Let's and here's what's actually at the root of this entire question being com- I know what it is. complicated and difficult. She's so sick of hearing him. She's like, <laughs> go talk to someone else. Pay someone to hear about your no, work garbage. No, that's not what I was gonna say. Oh. I was gonna talk about the stigma around mental health. Mm. Because we were talking earlier about how like science has kind of failed the female sexual experience because they've been so slow to really understand the female body. Science has also been really slow to understand the brain. The whole brain, both genders. Yeah, everyone's or human the, brain. The so fluid, gender fluid brains. Like the study of psychology didn't even really begin until the 1800s. Meanwhile, like in ancient Greece, they were cutting open bodies to see what the stuff inside was doing. So like we have a lot of catching up to do. Mm -hmm. And there's still this feeling that if you need therapy, something is wrong with you. Right. But like I would posit that we all need therapy just as much as we need a GP because we, our minds are such complex systems and our life experience culminates in like who we become as people and then there's like the science of how your brain works and how it's affected by things like trauma and epigenetics and it's just so much how could you possibly know whether or not therapy could benefit you if you have not ever tried it interesting um i'm going to take a devil's advocate uh sort of view on this because um in the same way so we have doctors that are going to go yeah yeah Um, I can tell that that rash is poison ivy because I've seen, you don't have a rash (laughs) because I've seen that rash and I know what that rash is and all the bodies react similarly with some people, not so much, some people more, but you know, or I know that's a broken arm because those bones are supposed to be together. That's the way bone, these bones are, Mm -hmm. you know, but with so much, uh, like we don't understand of the human mind and we don't, we just don't know, like, what's the normal? What's the, what's the way things should be? Everybody's different. We don't understand the brain, as you said. So who is this therapist? Where do they get off? Like, really, <laughs> what do they know? Well, I would say the people who work in the mental health realm have a keener understanding of how the mind works based on their own knowledge and research. Sure, they have that, but since we don't know anything about the human mind, they're they're kind of still in the dark. Everyone's coming. At, so like, I didn't well. say we didn't know anything. <laughs> I said that we are slow to to learn. Right, yeah, we yeah, yeah. we have arrived late at the party in understanding mm-hmm. the brain. And I know that science had made some huge inv- advancements since the 1800s. But what if like a certain amount of anxiety? Okay, so this is uh like I feel not any sort of what I would say would be what I imagine someone who has anxiety as a you know big big problem mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i'll feel a certain amount of anxiety when i'm approaching social situations sure i'm like oh man i gotta go because i'm introverted yep. so i'm like oh great i have to go into this group of people and make conversation yeah this is horrible can i just stay home yeah you know and i feel like that's reasonable Sure. You know, I'm like, that's normal. It's fine when the phone rings to have a bit of anxiety to go, who's calling me? (laughs) Like to me, that's 
regular like that's the way everyone should be and to you there and for you there are a lot of people who are like that and Mm. when you're in therapy they're not they're not treating you to the norm because there really is no no norm norm. right we're Mm. all completely unique our experiences are completely unique what they want is for you to be able to function in a way that you don't feel limited or held back by the way your brain is computing so So they're not necessarily going to sit there and go oh no those feeling you shouldn't have to feel those feelings about work and life and oh, stress. No, no. They're they'll go, be let's like, let's help manage. Let's take a look at these feelings. Let's sit with these feelings. Let's right. look at what they, where they come from, and and how they affect you, and how once you understand where their origin is, how can you change the way you respond to those feelings? Right. They're not going to be like, it's wrong to hate people. They'll be like, oh yeah, we all hate people, but this is how you deal with your hatred of people. To some extent, yeah. <laughs> And I, Not on board with the hating people. <laughs> well, you know, I have I have my own ideas about people, but I think you know, in terms of a prescription, there's a hundred percent lots of people out there who definitely need uh, some help with balancing their chemical structure in their mm-hmm. brains. But I would say for the vast majority, if you go to your GP and say I'm feeling anxious, and he writes you a script, like that is a failure right there. Right. There's like no investigative process. There's no real understanding of your your various circumstances that led up to you feeling this way in the first place. So I think whenever anyone does get diagnosed through a, even a psychiatrist and gets a prescription for depression or anxiety, there has to be a therapy that supports that as well. Right. It'd be like if you sprained your ankle and you got no a cast, physio, but yeah. then never did physio. Yeah. Like, are you actually ever really going to heal? No. Like, you can treat the physical symptom, but the problem's mm-hmm. always going to be there. So that's just my two cents. And, I mean, even, like, actual talk therapy, if you sit down with a therapist and you have a conversation and, you know, you're doing things like cognitive behavioral work or whatever, that's not for everyone either. And therapists mm-hmm. are human beings too. Like, you might go to therapy and just not connect with the therapist at all. Right. Does that mean therapy as a whole is not for you? Absolutely not. Try it just means else. you got to try someone else. And, you know, there's all kinds of different work being done now in the realm of mental health support. Some of it is like an active meditation practice or mindfulness practice or yoga. There's so many things you can do to address the ways in which your mental process is not serving you. Um, this is a bit of a rabbit hole. It sure is. Well, no, what I was just going to start. Oh, good. Yours is on point. My (laughs) thing is, um, so if you break your arm and then you put a cast on and then you have to go through physio, you're, you're getting the muscles that were the atrophied, I guess, and, uh, those tendons and stuff to, to learn how to, you know, work properly for you again, Mm -hmm. the way an arm typically should work. Yeah. So... Would you, this is crazy, would you posit, is that the word? Yeah. That we, when we're born and we're kind of the clean slates, everything mentally and emotionally kind of is working the way it should. And then through life, we get broken arms emotionally, broken legs or, you know, sprained ankles mentally and emotionally. And then we become, when we hit adulthood, even in our childhood, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea or teens. We need somebody to come along and start doing physio because there's been a lot of damage. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, we, we aren't necessarily even born clean slates. Well, that's the, that was the, 
the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. So there are genetic predispositions to certain types of mental health issues. Uh, and then there's the whole realm of epigenetics, which I find fascinating. And epigenetics? I epigenetics. So it's this scientific theory that all of the trauma that your ancestors have suffered have become part of your DNA and are carried forward generation oh, to generation. That's insane. It's crazy. And this I, is one of those things like you can... That's a rabbit hole right there. <clears throat> like, have you, Is this along the lines of like you can... Guide, have guided meditation that leads you to the your the well th that's almost like the reincarnation thing where you can remember the m memories of someone that you were before mm -hmm. that's a different thing no well i mean i think theoretically they're similar in their approach but epigenetics is actually scientifically founded like it's how can you uh well it's interesting because the bible speaks about the sins of your forefathers yeah. so is this the scientific sort of version of that where it's like yeah the, no you the pain have those, of your forefathers the, but the pain but also maybe the same temptations mm -hmm. and the same angers yep. and the same but those are i feel like some of us have i don't want to call them personality defects but types um where yeah we are quicker to anger mm -hmm. or we have the addictive personality and those are things you have to be really well if you knew about them which oftentimes for some reason we don't pay attention. Yeah. Um, you know, they are things you need to combat somehow mm -hmm. through th probably just thinking them through in a sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I watched this docu-series that took place in New Zealand, and I will try to remember. I, I won't remember what it's called, but I think it happened. You, you'll uh, New Zealand docu-series, Google it, I don't know. <laughs> There was only one. There was only one that's ever been made. But it was about, they, they actually took um, a certain amount of people and followed them from childhood to adulthood. Hmm. And they, they um, you know, took their genetic. Isn't it called 7-Up? No. I would remember that. <laughs> uh, Did I just make that up? Maybe. I just plucked it. I think it might have happened in. Anyway, it was it was New Zealand. They they took their genetic like uh, their DNA, and then they would interview them throughout their life, and sort of see how they were being nurtured. And it was the question of nurture versus nature. That's what I was just going to talk about. Yeah, actually. and the idea that certain genes uh, that one person had, like two two totally different people, could have the same gene. Mm -hmm. And that gene could result in one of them becoming a criminal mm -hmm. and the other one becoming like a really active, positive member of society. And the difference was in how they were raised yeah. and how that gene was nurtured. Yeah. Um, a very powerful gene, you know, like a really take charge type of person. But on the one end, they become violent and mm -hmm. more ridiculous because they didn't have the same sort of family structure. Yep. And, and the other one, they learned those sort of positive values, I suppose, mm -hmm. and then became really great people. So um, how does that relate to what you were saying? Well, the study of psychology is equally divided 
in nature versus nurture Mm -hmm. theories. So psychology as a science is made up of all kinds of theories, which is why it's a very frustrating science to people who are more empirical because there's... That's why they call it a soft science. (laughs) Well, I guess it's a more fluid science, we'll say. We're back to fluids again. (laughs) Look how that came full circle. I love it. It's a squirting science. (laughs) It's the squirting science. No, because there... Um, There are so many valid theories that can be applied to many different circumstances. It might be because people are so unpredictable. Well, that's it, right? And like there are reasons from an evolutionary standpoint that a person would have a dominant aggressive gene like that. Mm -hmm. You know, they would be the greatest hunters and they'd be able to kill things really easily and feed their tribe. And then they had like a really constructive outlet for those impulses and urges, right? These days they just get face tattoos and go, Go you know, beat people up in bars. Yep. Um, but so these are all reasons why we need to possibly have therapy. Why wouldn't you explore your mind? Like seriously, why, why? Cause it's terrifying, Kat. I guess. I don't know. This is, this is why I think in my own life, I've had a hard time in the realm of relationships because I don't understand people who are not curious about wanting to be more self-aware and more self-knowledgeable. But I think you're right to say, and I and I know that people, um, you know, bell let's talk and all these things, stigma of mental health, blah blah blah, and that's all good. But but still, I think we all go, yeah, that's the stigma of schizophrenics, you know, or people that yeah, that there is a mental health problem. But those are still we can go, we can point to what that is. That's bipolar, mm-hmm. or that's borderline personality disorder or that's autism. Like these are mental health things that we shouldn't stigmatize, but that I don't have a problem. But there are things where it's like, well, no, it's a very, you don't have something that is so, you know, obvious, I suppose. Yeah. But you 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 still have have your own little things. You don't have a medical diagnosis that you need to be treated for with drugs, let's say. But maybe you still have some sort of journey that you could go on. We all have neuroses. Mm -hmm. All of us. And some of them make sense. It's fine to be scared to answer the phone. They all make sense. (laughs) They all, we can rationalize all of our neuroses. Right. Because they've become part of our coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. At some point in some time, those behaviors serve to protect us in some way. And that's why we develop them. But then they become a barrier to us authentically connecting both to ourselves and to other people. And that's when we deserve the opportunity to look at them and change the shape of them if we want to. Go talk to someone, figure it out. (laughs) Not a big deal. Yeah. But and and I think that that's where the the shame comes in for those simple things. Yeah. So we the the whole stigma thing. Yes, we we're talking about the big things. Don't have a stigma, but don't have a stigma over the little things. Yeah. Either. And therapy is not just for people who let's say hear voices or behave yeah. in paranoid fashion or like are erratic and dangerous or like stuck in bed because they really can't leave yeah. the house because they're feeling so anxious or so or depressed so or yeah. anything like therapy that. Therapy is not just for those people. It's for every person all it from you know sometimes you just have the light version of Mm -hmm. these things yeah and go talk to someone and if your loved one that's the closest to you has taken the 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 uh leap to say hey sweetie it might help you to go talk to someone i've done it and i thought it was really great you might actually find it really fruitful just go do it what's your problem yeah and if you're resistant to the process too another in inroad to this whole world could be just reading books together with your partner 
books about the subject that she feels like you need to explore. Like buy a book together and read it and see, yeah. see if any of it resonates. If it does, then there's potential for you to like grow as a human and take charge of some things that maybe you feel like are kind of running the ship sometimes. Exactly. And if you are interested in reading one of those types of books, let us know what it's got to be about. And we'll quickly write it. And then we'll be able to sell it. <laughs> oh, Joel. That'd be good, eh? Well, we need a book about this. Okay, cat, come on. We got to write it. We need 20,000 words. I do and I don't presents, you know. Um, all right, good. So he's going to therapy. It's been great uh, to answer three more stirring questions. What would you say? Stirring? Squirting. Squirting, Squirting questions. questions. Fluid questions. Um email us at I do and I don't show at gmail.com and you can also send us messages with your uh, personal issues and questions etc to our Facebook and mm-hmm. Instagram I do and I don't yeah. show and we will always make sure that your questions are anonymous yeah we haven't mentioned that and I don't even read them people know the premise of it I don't read them and and look at me I'm giving advice that's like astounding yeah I did the. I gave squirting instructions, and I've never even heard the term squirting before. <laughs> People are like, "We were about to try exactly what he said." <laughs> no, you should try what he said. Yeah. It, Remember the last episode when you said you couldn't even say that you said something that you didn't actually say. Right. So that was a, that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. There's a lie in here somewhere, kids. Yeah. How yeah. about you figure it out? Yeah. Try the square thing. If it works, then you know I was telling the truth. Um, <laughs> it's been uh, another beautiful week, uh, and all we have to say is do your laundry. <laughs> <laughs>